0: This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Principal Financial Group, helping to protect your business, your employees, and your lifestyle.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Small businesses
2: are the lifeblood of the United States economy, and their survival after COVID-19 is critically important. In this episode, join Washington Post Live for a series of conversations about how small businesses are responding to the new business landscape and offering creative incentives to retain talent. Let's listen. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Michelle Singletary, personal finance columnist here at the Washington Post. Thank you for joining us today for our two-part series looking at how the pandemic has impacted small businesses. To help us better understand how small businesses have been faced with so many things during the pandemic, I am delighted to introduce my first guest at CEO Josh Silverman. Josh, thank you for joining us today.
3: Thanks for having me, it's great to be here.
2: Oh, so I don't have to tell you this, you know this very well, but, you know, small businesses are key to the U.S. economy. And we know that a quarter of all small businesses had to scale back and about 10 percent had to shut down. Can you talk about what you saw um, as CEO of Etsy as the pandemic you know, rolled through the economy?
3: Yeah. And, and and first, just to emphasize the point, uh, almost half of the private workforce in the United States, uh, about 48 percent, work for small businesses, which are businesses of, of less than 500 employees. Um, in fact, 99.9 percent of companies in the United States are small businesses. So it's incredibly important to our economy. And an increasingly large share of that are what we call independent workers, which are people who are self-employed or run their own business. There's about 60 million independent workers in the United States right now. And our social safety net really wasn't designed for them. So I couldn't agree more that that, that community has been really disproportionately hit by uh, by the pandemic. These are people who uh, don't have a, a stable payroll um, to make payroll, if you know, if, if uh, the store is closed, uh, for example. So it's been it's been hard on a lot of people, and 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 we're not through it. I'm not uh, saying anything you don't already know, but uh, in in fact, right now about 63% of of small businesses, independent businesses, are reporting to be back uh, fully open. That's actually down from 85% that reported to be fully open in May. So so the Delta variant has actually caused continued strain and continued contraction in that part of the market.
2: But what what's unique about your platform is that lots of your sellers actually saw a tremendous amount of growth during the pandemic. Can you talk about that? And I have to say I'm probably in that group of people that were helping them because I I didn't go out, you know. I'm ordering things. In fact, I'm on a first name basis with the <laughs> delivery driver. I know when their kids have birthday parties. <laughs> I've been ordering stuff online. Can you talk about the growth, the the plus side, if, if you Absolutely. will, of the pandemic?
3: Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for supporting our sellers. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and there's about 5.2 million uh, shops open on Etsy right now. So it's about 5.2 million sellers um, who are able to run a global business from their living room. About 99% of those are businesses of one working from home. Uh, uh the vast majority of those over 85 percent are women um, and, uh, and and that numbers roughly doubled since the start of the pandemic. So lots and lots of people when they had to shut their doors uh, turned to Etsy as the place that they could run uh, run their business. And actually two-thirds of our sellers reported that sales actually grew. Uh, through 2020, so they had a better year in 2020 than they did in 2019, and we're really proud of the fact that we've been able to provide an ec- economic lifeline for our sellers. You know, examples of that would be, uh, for example, Amy Price, who runs Amy Price Designs. She was a um, a costume designer on Broadway, and when Broadway shut down, she obviously you know lost uh, that source of income. But she, as a hobbyist, was really good at making masks and uh, costume jewelry. And so she created a shop, taking her hobby and turning it into a business, which now is thriving. And actually she's earning more income uh, through her online business than she was as a costume designer. Another example would be Candace Luter, who lost her job in the pandemic, and uh, is really great at macrame and mirror design, and she built a thriving business and now employs seven people. Um, uh, so we're, we're proud of the impact that we've had for for millions, literally millions of of small businesses uh, throughout the throughout the country and throughout the world.
2: Yeah. Let me throw this in. The Washington Post, our, our reporters, um, have been really dogged about what's been happening with the Postal Service. Um, and you know that there's some sl- uh, slowdowns coming. Do you see that impacting um, your your sellers? Um, because, you know, when people order, they want it right away and they're used to, I won't mention that other company, <laughs> getting things really quickly. Uh, so how do you think the slowdown will impact your sellers?
3: Yeah, let me talk about the Postal Service first, and then I'm happy to talk about other options in e-commerce, too. Um, starting with the Postal Service, it is critical infrastructure, and the U.S. Postal Service has a mission that is different than the private for-profit postal services. You know, The U.S. Postal Service has a mandate to serve every, every address in America, um, and so that has a cost structure to it that's just different than if you get to pick and choose your routes. Um, and so, lots and lots of people around this uh, around the country rely on the u s. Postal service. And we think having affordable rates is really important, even in rural areas uh, and and in in harder to reach areas. And so we've been very vocal uh, in advocating with the with with the government and with the legislature that we need to be supporting the u s. postal service. it's It's critical infrastructure. Yeah, and in, in terms of shipping times and times to arrive, you know, we don't promise that everything on Etsy can arrive within uh, within two hours or within two days. We're deluged more and more by stuff that's very cheap that will arrive very fast and end up in a landfill just as soon. And I think what we're finding is for buyers, we've been talking about sellers uh, for the first couple minutes, but for buyers, I think people have been looking to put their money where their heart is. I think people are thinking maybe I want to buy a few fewer things, but I want those things to mean more. And oftentimes I can wait an extra couple of days for an item that was made just for me, that's really well crafted. Um, And, and I think people are finding that they also care about that human relationship. I so appreciate you talking about knowing the name and the birth dates of, of your mail carrier. Now that's an important person in our lives. And the, People that we buy from can also be important people in our lives. You know, at Etsy, every item you buy comes with a story. You often meet the seller and create a relationship with the seller. And we think that's really meaningful as well.
2: You know, it's interesting that you say that because there's been such tragedy from the pandemic. And I don't want to gloss over that. But there's been some shining lights. And I think that's one of us, that 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 consumers have a, a, a sensibility um, to to small businesses. I mean, isn't that the story with small businesses in the pandemic that we've realized that we do want to support these folks, many of whom, as you already mentioned, are women. And I know even myself. I if I'm tending to go to a big box store, something else online. You know, I I do sort of think about: Are there others online that I could support? Um, and like my I gave my sister a 60th birthday party a couple of years ago, and I used a small business owner to create some of the artwork for her birthday party. Uh, and I'm looking at ways to support those businesses, even I have to say, if the price is a little higher. What are the pros and cons that you saw from the pandemic? Let's start with let's start with the bad stuff and then you know, end with the good stuff of what happens to small businesses and our sensibility that how important they are to our economy.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, if we're talking about what happened to small businesses, obviously um, a lot of challenges happened to small and large businesses through the pandemic. So many small businesses had a retail storefront, had a supply chain that they were reliant upon that was disrupted, shipping times were disrupted. You know, a lot of things were disrupted. That caused a lot of people to turn to shop online, often for the first time. And you know, sellers on Etsy uh, were able to sell uh, throughout the worst of the pandemic in a really uninterrupted way. Again, you know, over 90% of sellers on Etsy are businesses of one selling from their home. So uh, they, they were not disrupted. And, and as a result of that, Etsy during the pandemic became one of the few places you could go where you knew it was going to be in stock, if you will. Um, and so people turn to Etsy, I think, often during the pandemic because they had to, because there was there were many fewer choices. And and to give people some sense of scale, uh, you know, Etsy sales will have roughly tripled if you compare sales uh, this quarter to uh, what they were in the same quarter of 2019. So call it, you know, uh, three billion dollars of sales uh, is what we guided to in this quarter versus one billion dollars a quarter ago. Pretty, pretty dramatic increase. And yet, uh, so they might have turned to Etsy because they had to, but I think what they found was that you can get great prices on things that are made just from you from a real person that you get to know. You can say, I love it, but can you do it in this color? Can you do it short sleeve instead of long sleeve? And by the way, let's trade pictures of our kids or our dogs or, you know, so many purchases that I and our customers make on, on Etsy. Result in actually a real meaningful connection and, and even a friendship and uh, so we see it in the data again and again that people say they actually want to support small businesses they they care about where their money is going they're usually not willing to you know pay a lot more or give up on quality they want the same quality and they want the same prices but if they can do that and feel like they're supporting a a, a small business and and building relationship then it's great and 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 actually. Our sellers don't have to pay for rent on Main Street. Our sellers don't have to invest in a lot of supply that sits on a warehouse shelf for maybe months. Uh, our, Our sellers don't have to pay to ship their items to a warehouse and then ship on again to the end customer. So, you know, while economies of scale can have some advantages, direct from the maker to the buyer also has economic advantages.
2: No, I totally agree. I've been in communication with someone at Etsy about, I like, as you can see, the computer in my background, I mean, not the computer, the typewriter. Uh, And so I'm trying to find some old typewriters, and I was communicating with one of your sellers about trying to find me something, Not, not, you know, just to, decoration <laughs> so can we switch gears a little bit and talk about caregiving um, you're a big advocate for this and I understand that you met with uh, vice president Kamala Harris um, recently uh, uh, talking about this issue what is Etsy doing really to help um, and and what do you think about this are we getting to the point where we have um, a situation where especially with so many of your sellers or women you know a caregiving crisis?
3: That's exactly our sellers. In fact, you know, 26% of our sellers are saying that they're really struggling to find time to run their business and caregiving is the number one challenge, particularly when schools have been opened and closed. But even before schools were were opening and closing, caregiving is a major challenge for people all across the United States and 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 the burden falls, especially on women. And we think in order to unlock all that talent, We've got to find a better uh, solution for for caregiving. It's going to be better for the workforce uh, for sure, and it's it's going to be good for families uh, as well. So at Etsy, we've been advocating, uh, you know very actively with the government. We are uh, big fans of of the Biden administration's proposal to make caregiving, uh, something that's widely available to people all across the United States. And we see firsthand at Etsy. At Etsy, we we lead the market in terms of caregiving. So we offer 26 weeks of parental leave to uh, any new parent at Etsy, regardless of gender. Um, so uh, women or men. And, you know, we think, by the way, that being gender neutral in this policy is very important because we think it's important for male partners to play an active role in child rearing as well, and that's what allows uh, uh, female partners to be able to come to work and and be active in, in, in the workforce as well. Uh, everybody's got to pull their weight and everyone you know, wants to and, and should be an active part of, of child care. So we're excited about the Biden administration's proposals. We lead from the front with our own policies at Etsy and, and it's been great. We see that it, it leads to a really active and engaged workforce at Etsy. It leads to better retention at Etsy. Um, we see a lot of productivity coming from it and we're, we're big supporters of, of this becoming more broadly available across the country.
2: Since your e-commerce platform, so I imagine that many of your workers can work from home. Um, have you instituted any policies to help with that, particularly in in areas where, for example, the Delta variant is still raging and maybe people have held their kids back from school or their kids have to come home? What have you done um, to to address that issue for those who are still struggling, you know, with their kids at home?
3: It is still a struggle for so many people, and including the employees at Etsy, who, who take their role at Etsy very seriously. We have 5 million sellers who wake up every day counting on us to do a great job, and we take that responsibility very seriously. And... We are also uh, often parents and, and uh, caring for children or caring for parents or caring for others in our family and in our community. Um, so at Etsy, we've, we've really um, worked hard to provide our employees as much flexibility as possible while also prioritizing their safety. So we have not required anyone to come into our offices. Our employees have been largely working from home uh, for you know the better part of a year and a half now. It's been going very well, I have to say, um, by providing them flexibility and trusting them uh, to make the right choices. Um, they've been doing a great job. And um, so we're going to keep doing that. And, uh, you know, what we've asked our employees is, is, is uh, as it becomes safe to reenter the office, uh, we're looking for people to be in the office roughly two or three days a week. We think that's probably what will happen, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, we don't expect that most people will be in the office five days a week, and and frankly, we don't think we need that. We we've been operating quite well uh, with with much more flexible policies.
2: Now, you're, you seem to be like, you know, the kind of guy that's going to make sure these things happen. How do you communicate that to your managers? Because I'm going to tell you, you know, there's still some holdouts who sort of think people have got to be in the office, you know, all day long. Um, how do you set that example for your managers that you mean business about this flexibility? Because that's what we're talking about, right? Being very flexible to the needs yeah. of your employees.
3: Well, we've had a bold experiment because we shut down all of our offices globally uh, in the first couple of days of March of 2020. So it just wasn't an option <laughs> to be in the office for quite some time. We've only recently begun to reopen our offices, and and even now in limited capacity. And so, folks have had a chance to really see and learn for themselves that this can work, um, and and it is working. And then, you know, for our managers. Um, Developing followership, a, a leader without followers is just a person taking a walk. So a manager wants to enforce things on their team that their team is not ready to accept is going to pretty quickly find themselves uh, you know, a person taking a walk. And we're not interested in that at Etsy. We're, we're interested in leaders who generate real followership.
2: That's great. That's great. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with two more questions. But before, uh, one of the questions is about e commerce. You know, we've been shifting more and more to, you know, like in a cashless society. What do you think about that? And will that help your business model, obviously?
3: Well, a lot of people have begun to adopt and embrace digital payment methods in a way that they they didn't before. Even things like contactless, like Apple Pay, is, I, I think, uh, seen a huge shift as people got nervous to be pulling out their credit cards. But more importantly for us, y- you know, many, many people in, in the U.S. and around the world still never shopped online as of March of 2020. They shopped exclusively offline And for a lot of digital natives, that's hard to imagine, but a large segment of the US population actually never shopped online before the pandemic. And so what we've seen is a a mass migration to e-commerce. In fact, Etsy was acquiring a million customers a week during many weeks of the pandemic and a dramatic increase in the number of people coming and shopping online, often for the first time. And what they found was it's a really satisfying experience. You can find great selection at great prices and it's, it's really convenient. And so what we're finding now, as much of the world is reopened, is a lot of that behavior has stuck. Uh, and in fact, Uh, purchases per active buyer on Etsy were up 22% in the last quarter versus that same time year over year, Uh, even though a year ago there were very few places to shop online and now there's a ton of places to shop online. So we're seeing people who've tried to come online are really liking it.
2: Yeah, that's true. So there's a new normal coming around, right? We, we, we're we going to get past this pandemic. Do you think that that's going to change um, small businesses in this space? Or You know, maybe people going back to the stores in person, or will they do both, do you think?
3: I mean, I think they'll do both. I don't think people are going to exclusively shop online or offline. But we have seen a lot more people come and start their own businesses. And Uh, A lot more uh, millennial and Gen Z in particulars becoming independent workers and uh, disproportionately women now. 55% increase in women who are becoming independent workers. And so I think that's a trend that is going to stay with us. And I think from a a buyer perspective, I think the shift to e-commerce is permanent. I do think that the people have come online, they've discovered that it's really working for them, and I I think much of that behavior is going to stay.
2: Well, thank you so much. That's all the time we have. I could talk to you for so much longer about this. Um, Thank you for participating in this part of the discussion. Thank you so much, Josh.
3: Thank you. Thanks for the great questions. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, great. So listen, I'll be back in a few moments with our next guest, Jill uh, Balmarito from Ethel's Bakery. So please stick by, stay with us, come back.
0: (laughs) This is wealth.
1: This is worth. That takes wealth. But this is worth. And that, that's actually worth more than you think. Don't open that. Wealth is important and we can help you build it, but it's what you do with it that makes life worth living. Principle for all it's worth. Hello, I'm Elise Labatt of American University, and today we're talking about the importance of benefits for small businesses in retaining employees. The impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic have created talent shortages in the labor market. Some have called this the great period of resignation, as many employees are seeking out new opportunities, changing career paths, or starting their own businesses altogether. To discuss how small business can better retain and recruit top talent during this, transitionary time, and create a more inclusive workforce, I'm joined by Amy Frederick of Principal Financial Group. Amy is the president of Principal's U.S. Insurance Solutions team, serving more than 150,000 small to medium businesses. Amy, thanks
4: so much for joining us. Thanks for making time for this important topic. Really appreciate it.
1: So let's start by talking about how the pandemic has inspired what be more permanent changes to small businesses. How are companies and their employees
4: thinking differently? So it's a great question. And I think I would start with saying there is no lack of coverage in terms of the labor market shortages going on. So when we talk to business owners, it's like nine out of 10 of them talk about things like I have job openings and I don't have anyone qualified. Uh, coming into the candidate pool. And so there are major concerns, obviously, about labor shortages. So that's top of mind. And for them, for me, when I hear labor shortages and I hear people just want to solve the problem through wages, and again, wages are really important. But when you only talk about wages and you don't talk about things like benefits, you don't talk about things like, what are you going to do if you do get sick? what income replacement products you have that's available. What are the types of benefits that are going to help you potentially take care of your own mental health, take care of elder care, take care of child care? So those benefits wrapped up in wages and how that impacts attractiveness to talent in the marketplace has been an enormous issue. And I think it's just going to get even bigger. I think the other issue we're hearing all the time is, Supply chain, certainly that's well understood that there have been supply chain disruptions and small business owners are feeling the pinch on those. I think the piece of good news on a permanent change is that, man, small business owners have come through this really well in terms of managing their own cash flow. So there's some good news mixed with some challenges. So what should we have learned from this
1: crisis when it comes to employee retention? Uh, How can business owners develop that resiliency to stay ahead of the next trends and the next disruption?
4: So manage your culture. I think one of the things small employers are figuring out is that if they didn't have an engaged workforce before, that workforce certainly wasn't going to stay with them through a crisis. So as sort of multiple crises have, you know, compounded on each other, Having an engaged workforce, having a workforce that really believes in the mission of your business, that understands why you do what you do, and that understands that you're going to stand beside them as an employer and help protect them through this is incredibly important. So I would say the sustainable change I'm seeing is that small business owners are putting more time into intentionally building their culture and making sure the engagement and knowledge level they have about their employees is really high.
1: So that brings me to my next question. Uh, what in the last year has been highlighted about the needs of certain sectors of employees, such as women in the workforce, and how have those needs changed over the course of the pandemic?
4: So there's lots of coverage about women in the workforce, but I can tell you from personal experience, and, and you know this too, this has been this has been a brutal time. Um, I'm still caring True. for teenage girls. Um I'm still Uh, trying to do the things to balance all the flexibility that I need from, from work and to manage any issues that I have going on at home. What we're seeing is that for women in particular, one in four of them have said, I thought about quitting my job or leaving my job. Now, men have also talked about that as well, but I think employers have a role they have to play to make sure they're making resources available. In particular, women who are in a caregiving situation for children that are 10 and under are exponentially more likely to be saying, I don't see how I can put all these pieces back together. I can't manage my health as well as as the health of my kids. So making sure that you're looking as a small employer into what flexibility you can offer through your technology, what you can offer through your benefits, what you can offer through the type of understanding of what situations are facing women in the workforce.
1: Okay, so let's say I'm a small business owner worried about how to be a better leader in this new post-pandemic hybrid culture. What is the one thing I can do for the long-term health of my employees and my business?
4: Learn from other business owners and take care of your employees. That's gonna be my main message is the culture that you build and how you build it is incredibly important. So being intentional, about learning best practices from other businesses, learning best practices from those providers that are helping you meet needs and making sure that you're understanding how you're translating that back into day-to-day conversations about flexibility, day-to-day conversations about safety, day-to-day conversations about what technology you use to enable that flexibility is going to be the key to get through this. Business owners that manage flexibility and culture with intentionality more, they're winning more often than others who aren't.
1: Well, it's so important understanding the unique benefit needs of specific diverse workforce can not only retain talent, but create a more inclusive environment for employees. And clearly the pandemic was an inflection point in understanding the need for that. So Amy Frederick, president of U.S. Solutions at US Insurance Solutions at Principal Financial Group, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for taking time. Really
4: appreciated discussing this. Back to the Washington Post now.
2: Hello, welcome back. And for those of you who are just joining us, I'm Michelle Singletary, personal finance columnist for the Washington Post, and welcome to Washington Post Live. We're gonna be talking about today, this is part two of a discussion about how small businesses were impacted by the pandemic. And I know you're going to be just love the second guest that I have. Um, We're going to be talking about the supply chain, hiring issues, the new pressures on businesses that were impacted by the pandemic. I am just honored. I love, you know, anybody who bakes cookies (laughs) and and desserts. But Welcome, Jill uh, Bomerito, the CEO of Ethel's uh, Bakery. Uh, Welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank
0: you, Michelle. I so appreciate being here, truly.
2: Oh, that's great. I watched one of your videos about making a dessert. I'm horrible at desserts. When I try to make a cookie or dough, you can put it in the sole of your shoes. So I much, much praise the people who can uh, create such wonderful treats for people. So We like to I make com- it
0: easy for you.
2: Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> I like that easiness. So let's talk about, let's start off with the supply chain issue, you know, Um, and it's such a huge issue for small businesses like yourself. Um, And uh, so talk about the challenges that you've faced um, with the supply chain issues.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not us. It's everybody right now. And you know, what we would normally consider to be a four-week lead time on a film that we're ordering or a two-week lead time on a raw material, we're seeing that double and triple. And it's not just the fact that they're having trouble getting it produced, for instance, it's also that their raw materials are being delayed. Um, And it's ongoing um, and epidemic throughout the country.
2: Yeah. And I imagine just from a customer point of view, my heart just goes out with you because I've been in places where I've ordered stuff in person and even online. And the tension between the business owner and the customers, even though we understand that there's a pandemic, but if you're standing there waiting for your cookies or pancakes or breakfast, and it's now an hour and a half to two hours before, you know, they can... Get things to you or mail it to you. How do you bridge that? How do you calm people down um, when you, yeah. when they don't care about the supply chain? They want what they want when they want it.
0: Well, I can tell you what we practice, and that is preparation, 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 plan, plan, plan. And so we're constantly looking for the best ways to reduce our risk, um, and that means that. Um, we're carrying more inventory. You know, we are collaborating with additional partners. Um, we are using full transparency. We try to, um, you know, overperform and underpromise, and And, you know, just being transparent and honest seems to be honestly the best way to start.
2: I love that part where you said basically you're managing expectations of your customers. Would you say that? I mean, I've ordered Mm -hmm. things and they said, oh, it's going to take five or six days and actually comes sooner. And I'm actually a happier person that it got here quicker than what they said that, you know, on my order. Um, How did that work for you?
0: Well, you know, we're a little bit different. Um, We we sell directly to the retailer or to the distributor who then sells to the retailer. And so there are several levels um, for our product to reach that end customer typically. And we also have our direct to consumer uh, e-commerce. But we have been able to meet all of our orders through the pandemic on time, which is really challenging as you can imagine. Um, The way we've been able to do that um, is, is by, just being extra prepared, cautious, and carrying more inventory. But what does that do for the small business that's doing that? It it eats your capital, right? And that's one of the concerns today um, with small businesses in general is how do they have the capital to weather this pandemic?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm a I, I graduate of business school. So we all talked about, you know, on time inventory and on demand inventory. And so the pandemic sort of changed it, right? I mean, before you didn't have to carry all of that, which of course you have to pay for and carry it on your books until you sell it. And so now, you know, we had this whole period where it's like, okay, just on demand, I don't have to stock everything. And now it's just yes. sort of different. And how has that impacted your bottom line?
0: Yes. Well, you know, as other small businesses have experienced, um, you have to carry more. Your working capital uh, goes down, your inventory goes up, and you've got to also weather the storm of getting it to the next person. And whether you're shipping that through UPS, whether you're sending that through a third party, um, whether you're distributing yourself, whatever channel that may be, that's also uh, impacting how quickly you can get the product there and then get paid. And so there are multiple layers that you can see that are in, impacting small business today. Um, and this is not going away anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that. And in, in addition to the supply chain issue, then you've got rising prices, right? You're, you're The people you're buying from are increasing their price, prices. And then that may end up your creation you know increasing your prices and although what you sell is so important to those who love sweets it I imagine that's very difficult because there is a point where you can only raise prices but so much right I mean cookies are great but they're not like buying gas you need your gas to get to work you can kind of do without a cookie now and
0: then (laughs) definitely A treat. Um, We've worked really hard to find ways not to raise our prices. We haven't done it yet. Um, And it's being creative. And every, I can say, almost every supplier to us has increased their price. We're leveraging our purchasing and purchasing in larger quantities because we've actually been growing through the pandemic. People are wanting a lot of dessert bars. Um, So we're leveraging that purchasing power as many are today uh, to be able to offset some of those increases. But small businesses in general are seeing those increases flow through from their raw material inputs uh, to their storage, transportation, and they're hiring. So wage increases um, and other add-ons that you that you add to your employee benefits and so forth. All of that has been increasing. And ultimately, you're right. It will lead to a price increase in the marketplace. Um, and those are just some of the challenges that that small businesses are facing today.
2: Yeah. I want to get back to the wages, but just before that, a a news uh, poll just came out that showed about half of small businesses are going to be requiring new hires to be vaccinated. What have you been doing at Ethos Bakery to address the pandemic and the whole issue of your employees being vaccinated?
0: Now, that's an excellent question and a very sensitive subject for many. Safety is number one. So team safety and being able to take care of each other is, is number one. And so we have um, incentivized vaccines. Um, 90% of our team is vaccinated. You have to have proof. Um, You wear masks, if not many of our team members wear them anyway, it's been a very positive environment because we at the core are about caring for each other. But we still have strict protocols um, about anyone that's visiting our facility. We haven't, we've limited that so it's very few. And we've allowed working from home for those that aren't necessarily, don't need to be here as part of our manufacturing production baking crew. Um, We've reorganized workstations and workflow and eating lunches and lunchroom protocols. So there are so many um, important ways that you can address this and create a positive, safe environment. And that's the first step.
2: Yeah. So at Ethos, are you going to be requiring uh, employees to be vaccinated or do you require them to be vaccinated?
0: At this time, we do not. Um, We do not. We highly encourage it and we promote safety. um, And that's the the position that we've taken so far. And it's an evolving environment out there. But so far, it's worked very, very well for, for our team and for the company.
2: OK, great. So let's jump back on the hiring issue, because you mentioned that and in, in the increased cost of your bi- uh, cost to do business. So talk about both hiring, recruitment and retention. I mean, this really yes. is a job applicants market. Right. Um. So what, how are you how have you dealt with getting people, you know, being competitive yes. with wages? I mean, I understand that you've actually added some benefits, you know, long term, yeah. short term. Um, some college um, uh, benefit but I imagine yes. it's hard to compete with the larger companies
0: it definitely is and we're very very cognizant of what hap- what's happening in the marketplace for wages benefits we're here in the metropolitan Detroit area which is manufacturing heart of the country and so we're competing with very very large manufacturers um, we've always you know, held that we are one of the top in our industry, in the baking industry, and we raised our minimum um, minimum wage here at Ethel's to $15 an hour this year with a set escalation to $16 within a year. Um, we've added full benefits, um, vision, dental, health, um, short-term, long-term disability for all full-time team members and their family members um we've added a bonus plan we have paid holidays and vacations and uh, and and we're you know very um happy with how that has affected our team but it's it's still a challenge it's still a challenge
2: how do you keep from people uh, stealing your good folks i mean it sounds like you're a great <laughs> place to work but you
0: know if another offer comes in how do you compete? So culture is is so important. Culture is at the heart. And we've worked hard to, uh, we're a family. You spend more waking hours with us than you get to with your own family. And you have to like being here. You have to enjoy what we do. Um, and that's a key, you know, we, we having company events, um, spending time together at work and outside of work, um, you know, having mentorship programs. We've instituted leadership training. Um, we, we're always looking for ways to make it a better, more, um, uh, you know, aspirational place that you want to spend time at. And I think that's important regardless of what we're operating in and in, in the current situation is challenging for all, but, um, that's where it has to be. It's gotta be your culture and people will, you know, tend to, to stay for that. You know, I love what you just
2: said. And, you know, oftentimes when we talk about small business or large business, we talk about the numbers, but there's a study that showed that if you don't have a great workplace, I did a column about, I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Have you, have you seen it? Yes. Oh, it's just, yeah, I love him. You know, you want it's to have hilarious. a boss. I actually do have a boss like Ted Lasso. But, but I wrote a column about how in this competitive job market, it's not just about the money. It is about the culture and how you treat people. And as one poll found that it would take about 20% pay raise to yank someone from a company where they are well treated and well respected and valued and next to nothing in a pay raise if it's an awful place to work. And I think that, do you think that that's going to help? Businesses like yourself stay competitive by understanding that it's not just about the many.
0: Michelle, you are so right. And it has to be authentic. Like, it's got to come from your heart. You, You really have to care about your team. And you really have to invest in them. You need to grow them. We say we grow people here. And show them the future opportunities, help them see and envision that, and help guide them. You know, our, one of the biggest things that we say here at Ethel's is that you need to develop those. Who's going to replace you? Who's the next person to replace you? Because that allows you to to grow up, to move on. And and we're really focused on that. Um, I believe in in being having a great living wage, um, having prosperity taking care of your cam- family having education for all and that's what we're doing here I hope that makes the difference I it's in my heart so um, I believe it and and it's our family here
2: does that mean that you take a little less profit to do that to be to build that kind of team um, you know I mean you you started this is that was it based on your, was it your mom or your grandmom I can't remember
0: yeah. Ethel was my grandmother, and it's about sharing amazing food together with your family and doing good things for each other, for your community, kindness, humbleness. Like we have, I have enough. I mean, I always say that I have a pop-up camper. I have enough. (laughs) (laughs) I care about taking care of people and growing people. And that's the bottom line. The rest will take care of itself. The rest will take care of itself. We've got to take care of each other.
2: I, I really do. I believe that as well. I mean, I, I think if more businesses did that, they wouldn't have as big an issue with retention retention and keeping people. And the word gets out. Where's the best place to work? And as a mom and a wife and a community leader... You know, I stay where I am because I have a great editor and she makes me feel heard and I may not take another job listen to, <laughs> to the post, because I like where I am and I think that's what you're saying. So let me ask you, can I can I get a little personal cuz you know I'm a personal finance columnist. Yes, so how sure. has our personal finance has been impacted as the owner of a small business? I mean, what what kinds of things um pro and con for your bottom line, your personal bottom line, um, has impacted you because of the uh, the pandemic?
0: I would say that um, you just do with less, you know, and, and meaning that we are all looking for ways to help each other during this trying time, whether it's family, friends and neighbors, I mean, we know people that have struggled, who've been out of work, who've struggled with illness during COVID. Um, we just try to stay focused truly on each other and at the same time help other small businesses. So we have we try to eat out or use gift cards in ways to help the community, the restaurants. Um, it's different. It's just different. Uh, we restricted all travel like everybody, but we haven't gone back to it. We've stayed closer to home. We try to spend money in our communities. Um you know those are just some of the things that we've made choices with personal finances. Um it's trying to help others as best you can and also do the best you can for the for the community and your family and friends.
2: Yeah. You know a lot of people start businesses because they want to be even- be rich, right? I mean, that's sort of the you become an entrepreneur and you hit the jackpot. Um, did, do you feel that way? I mean, do you do you? Did you? I'm not going to ask you how much you make, but, but would you say that you didn't take a bigger salary that you probably could have as the owner? I mean, what personal financial sacrifices have you made?
0: Let's get real. Well, we just talk right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so on the personal front. You know, um let me just say, you know, I would never give myself a raise or or take more um, and can say that you know probably would taken less during some of this um but but in different ways um, you don't as an entrepreneur, you don't start because you think you're going to get rich it is it is just something you don't have a choice to do. you just feel it and you do it, and it's in you and um you know, if money was ever personal finances wherever at the front you don't stay in this very long because you really you tend to um, put yourself last and and that's okay um because without the great people around you you don't get to be here um so i i think that you know personally i haven't had to sell a home or give up anything like that um but i'm certainly not looking to gain more the company's growing Um, But my personal finances aren't changing. Let me put it that way.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, you take a little raise next year when this is all over. (laughs) It's a long way. But, you know, I, I, and I'm going to wrap up, but um, that's such an important point, however, though, because lots of small businesses don't take a salary, business owners don't take a salary or don't take care of their personal finances because they want to grow the business. They want to keep the business going. And that's not good. That's not you, you need to to be able to take care of your personal finances as well. Is that is that do you agree?
0: Oh, Michelle. I preach that all day long because I, I did the same thing, you know, for the first three years, I didn't take any kind of salary, anything at all. And, uh, and so I work really hard with business owners and small business owners, um, especially women, um, to try to help them understand their value and that, uh, you know, they deserve to make a living and they can have a profitable, profitable business. You just got to trust your numbers and, uh, and, and know your numbers in order to make that happen. But yes, I've seen that over and over, that there's definite sacrifices that go um, with getting that business up and running. And we'll be the first ones to take that cut when it's necessary. That's just how it is. Yeah, well, that's
2: all the time we have. I can talk to you forever. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us on the discussion about how small businesses have been impacted by the pandemic. I've been talking to uh, Jill uh, about her business, Ethos Bakery. So go buy, go buy some cookies and help her people.
0: <laughs> um, Michelle, so thank you. Thank you so much. You.
2: So listen, that's all we have for right now. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate the time that you spend to watch these Washington Post Live discussions. They're so important. So I hope that you go to WashingtonPostLive.com and look at all the discussions that we have. Um, and just and register and find out more information. Uh, we at The Washington Post and Washington Post Live, we just want to bring you the top issues with great people like Jill and Josh to dig into the issues. So again, thank you for joining
0: us. And I hope that you come back for more discussions at Washington Post Live.